Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Welcome back to Pink Shade with Aaron Martin. It is time once again to recap Seeking Sister Wife and Love After Lockup, which came to an end this week. And you know who's with me, my bunkie, my goddess, Mary Payne Gilbert. Welcome. Hello. Uh, I cannot believe it's the end of Love After Lockup, Mary Payne. Well, it was quite traumatic for me because I didn't get to watch it live and then post in your Facebook group, which is my favorite thing. I was at a Watch What Crappens live show, which was super fun. But then I had the stress of coming home and trying to watch it. And then my DVR cut off. It's been quite a journey for me to get uh, to, to get the whole thing. But the last 30 minutes uh, that my DVR cut off, I watched on my computer and I was uh, kind of crying. So I'm not going to lie. Okay. I was really touched by the finale too. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I questioned everything in my life after watching it. And I watched it twice. So I've watched a full four hours of the finale. Uh, yeah. I want to watch that last part again, that last 30 minutes. I'm gonna, I want to watch it again. Since I had to watch it on my computer, I want to like get it recorded on my DVR so I can really watch it on my TV so I can really feel the emotion. <laughs> really, You need to put some <laughs> headphones on. You need to get in a dark room. You need to get your comfort blanket, but put on a Snuggie even. Yes, I could put in one of those mermaid tails. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but we're going to save that, you guys. We have to save that for the end because we have so much to talk about with Love After Lockup. Let's just bust out Seeking Sister Wife. This week, we only got to basically catch up with three couples. I mean, again, the winders, the winders are nowhere to be found. They're still waiting for someone to reply to their want ad for a third <laughs> sister side piece. So they're just like <laughs> sitting around waiting for somebody to, for a fish in that puddle to come forth. But the Aldridges also have basically nothing going on. No. So they're excited because they're like, Jennifer's coming to visit. Jennifer's coming to visit. Now, my sidebar here is, is I think that Sharice is pregnant. She looks ah, pregnant. Okay. Yeah. I can bet on, I can bet that's true. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not. I'm just saying she doesn't look like maybe she could lose six pounds. She looks like she's pregnant. Um, so they have this, you know, discussion about Jennifer's coming and they're so excited. And then they say like to the kids, like something about get off the couch. Cause what if she wants to sleep there? But then like in the next shot, they go out to this weird tree house in the forest where they make up this bed and they decide when Jennifer comes, they're going to put her in this tree house away from the family 
which I found to be very odd. And then they said they have one bathroom for 10 people. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. One bathroom for 10 people is like a hard no. Full stop. I mean, I cannot even imagine what kind of life that is. One bathroom for 10 people. Now the tree house, I, <laughs> do you watch True Detective? Uh, yes, I did. Uh-huh. Okay. The tree house to me was like every scene from True Detective season one and three where blood trace evidence is found. <laughs> yes. Yes. You expected it to be like season one where they had those little tiny sculptures made of tiny twigs. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, okay, and this is where things have happened. Things have happened in this tree house. Because he's like, when we bought the property, we were thrilled to see a tree house on it. And I'm like, and now you're putting your potential new sister wife in it. I mean, it was very cute the way they did it up. But I was like, you're making her sleep in a tree house? Like, well, I mean, would you rather sleep in that tree house on the Aldridge property or in Bernie's spirit? room. Bernie's spare room. <laughs> I would go treehouse. I'm too afraid. I need to be, first of all, I need to be close to some indoor plumbing and I need <laughs> there to be a lock on the door. I would pee in the woods before I would sleep in the same house as Bernie. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You, could push the, you could push the dresser up against the door if Bernie was there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Aldridges, though, they're, yeah, they're getting the treehouse ready. I think you might be right. Sharice might be pregnant. And they're just being, like, generally rejected but hopeful. And they learn at the last minute before Jennifer comes from her, air quotes, brother, who's answering her texts, that mm-hmm. she has suddenly been struck with appendicitis and needs to go to the hospital. Yeah, Paul sends her a note. It says, this is her brother, Paul. Jennifer's appendix has burst, and she's in the hospital. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, two more things about the Aldridges that I noticed n- upsetting enough about the 10 people in the one bathroom. But Vanessa, who I find to be the superstar of this uh, trio, I-, I just think she's so pretty. And, and and she says that she feels a little jealous of Jennifer because she's younger. And then she says, you know, and of course she's done some modeling they show shots of her Instagram with just like what my kid does, like pouty duck face lips in a bathroom. Now right. in like Target that, yoga pants, which no shade. Yeah. I love them, but it's yeah. that's not a modeling shot. That's not a modeling career. So I found that very interesting. And then I found another thing interesting was they showed um, Sharice in the kitchen. That kitchen is like New York style apartment tiny. I know. I know. The kitchen and the bathroom. And then I have not notice this until this week. I see the outside of the house and it looks like an airplane hanger. Yes, it does. But when, when they're inside the house, there appear to be windows, but when they show right. the outside of the house, it looks like a, like a converted, um, barn or garage. Right. It looks like a post apocalyptic bunker, like where you're getting ready and storing cans up. You know, like it's mm-hmm. on, and when the, and when the zombies come, you run to the treehouse. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You have a lookout in the treehouse, and you have all the other wives holed up inside the bunker. It's crazy, but inside it does not look like that. I'm like, are they filming weird places that don't make sense? It's nothing about the Aldridges makes sense, and also they have no story. I mean, this chick is totally not coming. She's completely lying to them. It, yeah. it doesn't make sense since the beginning. The only time they're ever going to see her is when they saw her for those, you know, that ice skating date in Niagara yeah, Falls. Yeah, they're two for two. Yeah, exactly. All right. So speaking of rejected, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the McGee's, Bernie and Paige and Mandy and her daughter, Bree. Bree? Her, 
Her name is Brandy, not Mandy. Jeez, why can't I get that? You know what? I'm never. I'm. I'm typing it in my notes now, and I might get it right next week, but I can't guarantee it. Why are you so disrespectful to Brandy? <laughs> Brandy. Okay, so is her daughter's name Bree? It's Bree, B-R-E. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So Bree is completely brainwashed. I do not understand why she is all for this. She is like the most positive person about this entire clusterfuck. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't, I'm not totally sure they're not actors. I mean, bad actors. Right. Like, you know. Community theater brand in Mississippi actors, but I'm not really. I, I don't. I don't know what the hell's happening here, but I don't buy it. It's just I don't buy it either. It makes no sense. All right, so this is the day of the big date. Bernie is going to go out with Brandy. Now, first of all, they have burgers and they sit around eating and laughing about hilarious jokes like eating burgers upside down. And then the next day, Paige decides to take Brandy out to get their hair done, and. <laughs> Those two stylists need to be our friends, by the way. Like, you, go go forth and do your journalistic duty and contact those two stylists at the salon. We need to know everything. Oh, I wrote it down. The salon is called Kasha, K-A-S-H-A, and I've looked up the address. And um, Bernie says, they. so Brandy says she's excited to finally get this alone time with Bernie. And Bernie says, yep, there's been some flirting and some giggling. Yeah, we're going to go out and see if that chemistry is real. Mm. Ooh, <laughs> let, let's let's talk about their hairstyles, right? Because Paige gets nobody says anything about how she needs a, a full like stripping of the color and start over. Nobody says that. They just curl up what she's got, and then <laughs> what? I can't Brandy. breathe. Hold on, hold on, I can't breathe. <laughs> gonna have to pause this they just curl up what she's got that is like the best slogan for a salon ever like come on in we'll curl up what you got Uh, i'm just saying they they, they... (laughs) she's got roots that are longer than my actual hair I know they should have said like, "Hey, we'll offer you these additional services of cut and color," but no, they're like, "We'll just curl up what you got." Then what they do <laughs> for Brandy, they give her a full-on sister wife on the compound hairdo. Totally. They she her, all she needs is a long skirt. They give her a full-on prairie multiple braid curled ponytail. What do you think Paige ordered that hairstyle? She was probably like, give her that. I I wrote Paige is doing some sort of long and flirty, loose curl situation. And Brandy opted for the full sister wife compound style updo. Yeah. What the fuck? And then she, I know. And then she's doing her makeup in the bedroom later. Well, first of all, as they're sitting in the salon, they're full on talking openly about like, I'm going on a date with your husband. How do you feel that I'm dating your husband? And these two stylists are not even making eye contact with one another. No, they're traumatized. And I can't wait to get in there and interview them. They are just looking down, just doing their prairie braids, just curling the gray roots. I mean... They don't even snicker. They don't laugh. They don't even have facial expressions. It's like they're in uh, like North Korea doing hair. They're not allowed to say anything. Do you think they got paid like um, 
$100 per person to do it. Oh my God. They had to have gotten paid over and above, you know, cause they all, they, they agreed to appear on this and have their salon featured in this shit show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to find out. I'm not kidding. Holy crap. Okay. So they, okay. So I've, I've written down, yeah, we have to be friends with these stylists. Please let's get them. Let's get them in our circle. So the date comes, Bernie's getting ready. Paige. I would like, I would like to add Paige is not jealous at all. Right. She keeps saying it over and over again. I'm not jealous at all. I feel great. I feel great. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, you know, this is this day I was, I was scared, but it's, it's come and I'm really feeling positive. She looks like she's going to flip out. And of course she does later. Bernie and Paige awkwardly sit on the couch and wait for Brandy to come out who it looks very pretty. She's ready for her date, even with her prairie dew. Well, you forgot what you forgot. He's going through his closet, looking through his striped polo shirt collection. <laughs> no. Every polo shirt is striped, and he chooses a lovely orange one and cargo shorts. Oh my god! But I mean, we don't have any hope for Bernie. I would. I, that's of course what he picks out. I mean, I would never think that he was going to make himself look good. There's nothing that you can do to Bernie to make him look look decent. Well, Brandy comes out in her sheer moo moo and crop leggings and her fit flops. I liked it. I thought she looked good. I was like, good for you for making an effort. At least she didn't come out in like the tank top or something. Because Paige is just like constantly wearing the tank top or the t-shirt and jeans. I mean, that's fine. She's being filmed at home. That's what I'd be wearing too. But I was like, good for you, Brandy. You brought along a nice little flowy top. It is hot there. And he says, she's absolutely lovely. Yeah. And then he is so horny. I mean, he needs to be straight up hosed down in the front lawn. Uh, he's disgusting. He could barely fit in his car. And, oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just like, I, I'm so grossed out by him and his, I can't even imagine the kind of, I think he must smell like, like ham and sweat. Yeah. I'd salami. I think salami, like a little spicier <laughs> than ham, like warm salami that's been Ew. sitting out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, remember <laughs> Bernie's beard. Bernie's beard scratch and sniff snicker stickers. Oh, I can't even talk. I can't even talk. Okay. Okay, just okay, recap for us how the date goes, how it starts. They get in the car. They get in the car, and Paige is like, Bye bye, you two crazy kids. Ha <laughs> ha. Have a good time. Oh no, no, doggy, you can't go with them. Okay, bye bye. I don't this is not bothering me at all. I didn't I'm not jealous at all. And then they get in the car and I guess they're just sitting in the driveway for 10 minutes. I don't really know because they're sitting in the driveway and the producer taps on the window and was like, uh, we've got a crisis in this house. You need to come back in the house right away. And I don't know. I don't know if Paige has, uh, you know, flipped a table. I don't know what, but, um, Paige, uh, Paige doesn't want this lifestyle <laughs> and they show the, uh, they show, uh, on the scenes for next week, they show Brandy saying she's going to win. Now, I think that this probably has to do with the putt-putt that they're playing. I do, too. That they, was edited. Yeah. yeah. But, they, but they make it sound like she's going to win the prize of Bernie. And then I put, they go play putt-putt and maybe some car boning will occur. Oh, my God. In the game of boning Bernie, nobody wins. <sighs> the game of boning Bernie. Okay. That is the game these women are playing. They are vying to bone Bernie. Let's remember what the prize is at the end of this. What is happening in this world that Bernie is wooing multiple women? And his original woman is like flipping out because she's so jealous 
I'm like, like let this woman take him off your hands for a couple nights a week. I agree. Bernie. He's quite a prize. Jesus Christ. So what do you think actually happened in there? I was thinking the same thing. Does she like accost someone? Because if she was just crying, why would they want him to cut or, you know, him to like really come in? The production team seems like kind of frightened. Like I love when they break the fourth wall and they show some of the producers standing around and the cameras are just panning everywhere. And they were like in corners, like Blair Witch style. Like, just waiting. There was one woman just standing in the corner, like, waiting to be called. (laughs) Yeah. I think that probably they were filming them just sitting in the car talking for a while. Like, hey, hey, we're going to play putt-putt. And and then she also says – Brandy also says at some point, like, I don't know what Paige's idea of intimacy is, but mine is intercourse. I was like, oh, my God. Girl, slow your roll. You've known them for, like, half a day. Um, I mean, so I think that them standing in the driveway filming and Paige having to sit there and watch it is probably what pushed her right over the edge. So do we, do we think that how long, how long is Paige going to keep up this lie that she woke up one morning and God had spoken to her and told her she needed another sister wife? Because I mean, we know this is a lie. We know that I think the whole impetus behind this, and we've learned their backstory about never getting a third wife because Paige always becomes jealous is that she's just trying to find a way for him to legally cheat on her because she knows that he is not interested in being monogamous. Yeah, and what's interesting too is they're they're called to this, you know, celestial life or whatever through the Bible. But did you notice when they sat down to eat their hilarious burgers that Brandy said, "Now do y'all pray before you eat?" And it was like, "Oh yeah, okay." Like if you're so into the Bible and the church, I mean, yes, the first thing you do before you eat is pray. Exactly. And they were they were all like, "Oh yeah, I guess we can." Yeah, I guess we can. And then Bernie was so excited to hold that prayer hand. She did. She she was like, oh, hold hands. Hee, hee, hee. I know. Tee, hee. And also they're in the situation where they're getting someone who is not even going to, <laughs> let's use their terms, bear them a child. Nope. So, and that is the point too. I mean, yeah, Kermie and his like cult wives are crazy, but they actually are following the weird doctrine that we've heard about before, you know, like trying to build their celestial family. <laughs> Right. And same with the Aldridge's. So at least, you know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really crazy that the show makes you sit, think like, OK, well, I can get behind that. That's fine. Definitely. Because they because when you get them, people like the McGee's or the Snowdens, you're like, no, these people just want a side piece. Exactly. I mean, sister yeah. side piece is the name of the game for these two. Absolutely. Now, Bernie is not going to be allowed to have his because we know Paige is straight up not OK with this. I mean, nothing is going to be OK from here on out. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So what do you think is going to happen to Brandy? Is she going to get forcibly kicked out of the house? Is Paige going to go ham on her when she comes home? Or is she going to pretend like everything's fine? Like, what do you predict? I think she's going to pretend like everything's fine and just go ham on Bernie. But I think we see that they do go on the date. They do. So, yeah. So I guess she just goes, cries in the corner while the cameras follow them around. He says, I hate to see her upset like this. Yeah. I was like, but I got to get to that mini golfing. Yeah, but I got to I, I got to get my intimacy on. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I cannot deal. Okay, speaking of intimacy, we have to move on to the Snowdens and then we're going to okay. head over to Love After Lockup. Okay. The Snowdens. I loved every minute of this week. Yeah, so the ho- this house is extremely nice that they're in. Like I can't get over how nice this house is Seriously. And, how, and how they afford. Like it has a gate in the front. Like it's nice. Yeah. 
they don't appreciate that Vanessa's a little bit messy. And the only time we see Vanessa at the beginning of the show is she is in her room trying to put her clothes away with children laying all over her clothes that she's trying to put away. Then next thing we see her appear in the kitchen with the baby who, oddly enough, is wearing a beret. I thought it was like a little sailor hat. Well, I think beret is funnier. (laughs) (laughs) They've always got an accessory on that kid. Yeah. So she's always with the kids. She is full time nannying. Yeah. And, and Ashley and Demetria are not even uh, remotely touching or paying attention to their children until the next scene over. And we see Ashley has got the baby attached to her boob and is like watch it, walking around the kitchen. And I was like, well, Vanessa, I got a break there for a minute. Or when Ashley's holding one of the kids over the mixer and the iPhone is dangling over the mixer. I'm like, what? I feel like they've never taken care of these children and have just constantly had a rotating sister side piece doing it because they seem clueless except for like the boob. Yeah. She needs to, she needs to whip that out every now and then. So yeah, Vanessa is completely 100% the nanny and her twin shows up. And so does her younger half sister to Mm -hmm. call her out on it. Now her younger half sister doesn't so much. She actually talks about how she's jealous, blah, whatever, but Vanessa's twin. And what is her name? Her name is Adrian. Adrian, that's right. Adrian. Adrian. She mm-hmm. comes and she is like not having it. I loved her. Loved her. She She's the hero. Straight up calls them a cult. I was like, yes. I'm like high fiving her through time and space on that. Yeah. She keeps saying, like, uh, this is bizarre. It's disgusting. What is her choice and what is not her choice? And like she's saying, like, you can't choose what you want to eat and all this stuff. And then she, when she's explaining to her about the alkaline diet, she's like, can you just explain your cult? Exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Vanessa is sitting there defending her status as a sexless nanny, a housekeeper who's only allowed to eat broccoli. And the second priority for Dimitri, she's like, Ashley and I and the kids are all Dimitri's priority. It's like, mm, Okay keep telling yourself that and her sister is straight up like yeah explain your cult please like please please tell me what the following points are in your life and she every point she makes is one are ones that we've all been talking about it's like what are you getting out of this Vanessa yeah and and Adrian says like I'm asking these questions and you should also ask these questions and I'm going to keep asking the questions every time I see a red flag. And I was like, yes, Adrian is the voice of reason that we needed. Exactly. I mean, do you think that she will actually, since she is her twin and they do seem close and you can tell, at least I could, Vanessa was kind of shaken up by this, by how hard she was coming at her. Do you think Vanessa is going to hear any of this and eventually say, yeah, this isn't for me? Or is this woman in it for the long haul? I mean, they have these weird cult Instagram accounts now or like whatever you pointed out these websites for lifestyle coaching or whatever the fuck they're doing. Ashley is glad to give you advice on any topic. She does not have to know. I mean, she could give you financial advice. She can give you Pampers advice. She can give you advice on your diet. She could give you advice on, you know, trapeze school. It doesn't matter what you ask Ashley. She has the advice for you. Like beyond yeast related matters. You just, just name a topic. I mean, you know, I don't know. Chinese philosophy. She's got it. Oh, my God. What is wrong with Vanessa? She seems like she comes from a grounded family. She seems like she's close with them. I mean, what is going on? The funniest thing is when they were at that lunch and Adrian was kind of giving her the smackdown and Amy, the half sister, kind of goes, oh, I have a question. Do all three of you sleep in the same bed? 
Yeah, I know. And Vanessa sounds like so offended. She's like, no, like that would be disgusting. You're sure we, we rotate. We, we rotate. We rotate. We don't all, we're not all about his member at once. We rotate his member. Disgusting. Disgusting. Dimitri's gross. I love that Dimitri seems scared though. Like I want Adrian to scare the shit out of that perv. Um, uh, Dimitri says for at least 14 times when they especially when they're showing the stuff for next week, he's like, Adrian isn't feeling it. He keeps saying she isn't feeling it. And then he'll look at uh, Ashley and go, uh, Adrian's not feeling our lifestyle. She's not feeling it. I was like, we got it. She's not feeling it. You said it 106 times. Right. Um, and uh, for next week, uh, the Winder Winders get a hit on their profile. So they're super pumped. And uh, the Aldridge's come up with the conclusion five weeks later that Jennifer has been catfishing them. And Bernie hopes for some car boning. And that's all I got. Yeah, that's about it. That's a wrap. And we're going to be recapping this next week, you guys. So Love After Lockup is over, but Mary Payne and I are going to be recapping Seeking Sister Wife going forward until it ends. And then we are going to pick up with 90 Day Fiance Happily Ever After, which is premiering, let me check the calendar, April 28th. So all through April, 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 we will recap Seeking Sister Wife until it ends. Now, I want to just also announce, though, on the podcast for you guys, we will be taking the week of March 25th off because I am getting the hell out of Eric and Litaville and I'm going south for spring break <laughs> with my family. So we will be taking the last week in March off. You won't get a recap from us that week, but we will recap starting in April going forward every single week. And I want to make note that recaps from Mary Payne and I will be on Thursdays all from here on out. So we're not going to do Wednesdays anymore. We need a little bit longer for my producer to get it, you know, get these all cleaned up for you and ready to go. They will always be coming at you on Thursdays. Now, Mary Payne, your podcast is always released on a Wednesday, correct? Yes. Wednesday at noon. Wednesday at noon. Okay. And mine will be Thursday. My recap with you will be Thursday at one in the morning. Oh, that's a perfect time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're like up early or late, <laughs> depending on if you're young or old, then or you can just catch up. If you're in Australia. Yeah. If you're in Australia. Oh, speaking of Australia, I just had uh, Kirsty Moore on my podcast to talk about Real Housewives of New York. So I hope you guys check that out. That was an episode earlier this week. I'm so excited New York is back. Oh, my God. Uh, well, you know what happened to me in New York last week? Oh, I know. Harry Dubin running. Harry Dubin. I, I'm going to tell you what, I've never in my life felt like I should have just gone right over to the Juilliard School of Acting, if that's a thing. I think it's just for music. But my acting ability with Harry <laughs> Dubin was really stellar. You swallowed back your vomit. You didn't mm -hmm. actually projectile vomit on him. We pretended like we had no idea who he was. And that's that's when he told us he was on a silly little reality show and we pretended again, like we weren't aware. And he said, I'm still on it. Like, I'm going to be on it this season. Like, he could not wait to give us all the information. And then he said, here's a hot tip for your podcast. I dated Kelly Ben Simone, and they never even reported that. Oh, my God. <laughs> he is so gross. You guys, if you're not on the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook page, get on it. And if you were eliminated in that clean sweep we did by accident, come on back. You just have to answer a few questions to get back in. Mary Payne actually posted pictures of her, of her with Harry Dubin at the Regency, of course, and told the whole story on there. You guys have to check it out. Yes. It's amazing. 
Okay, so let's move into Love After Lockup, the finale. Now, first of all, uh, we have to say that nothing I held true and maybe you held true is actually the truth in terms of airing the rest of these episodes. It looks like now we're going to get them in the summer. So basically what they're doing is making it a second season. The original announcement was that they extended season two by 10 episodes and they said coming this spring and... I mean, no responses to requests for an actual air date were ever issued. Where uh, Nobody ever responded, whether in email, on social media, anything. Finally, WeTV announced it during the finale of Love After Lockup that these 10-ish, I guess, extra episodes will be coming in the summer. It looks like we'll be continuing with some couples and some new couples will be introduced. Angela and Tony, who were supposed to be on this season, got completely bumped. I would assume that they are on the summer episodes. And I'm feeling like it's going to be kind of a whole new season, really. I mean, it's not an extension if it's pushed way out like that. It looked like all new couples to me. It was like new couples, new drama, new love after lockup. I don't know what they said. Well, maybe everything has changed, you know, and for me, I'm pissed because I just want to watch love after lockup all year long. Like every Friday night it could be on, I would be happy. However, Same. I'm excited that it's still coming in the summer and they're not making us wait a whole nother year for it. Yeah, I know that whenever on social media anybody said anything to um, Brittany and Marcelino and people would say like, oh, we wish we could follow you. I wish you could be a season two. And they're like, you know, hashtag WeTV, hashtag at WeTV. Like they're trying to get WeTV to have them on. Oh, okay. I hope this doesn't turn into a 90-day nightmare where everyone starts creating drama to get on the extended season. God damn. Don't. Oh, my God. Love after lockup. I was... Mary Payne and I were texting after the finale, and we were like, this was amazing. And I I think I texted you, like, better than 90 Day Fiance, in my opinion. This season of Love After Lockup was better than recent seasons of 90 Day Fiance, and I felt like the student had become the master. Like the offshoot or the secondary, the second tier show from Sharp Productions has actually superseded 90 Day in pretty much every category for me, this season at least. Well, it's like you said, when Vanderpump Rules became better than Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, yep. the student has become the master. I was like, Aaron, what a way with words you have. <laughs> it's the same phenomenon. Yeah, it's like when Pump Rules became better than the show it spun off of. And that happened. We all we yeah. all remember when that happened. When Jax was cheating with Brittany on the couch and Stassi found out. I mean, that was some amazing TV. And this was some amazing TV too. And I found myself not hating everyone at the end of it. And I hated everyone at the end of season six of 90 Day. I was like, I cannot stand stand you people. I never want to hear from you again. Now that said, I will be recapping happily ever after. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't feel like that at the end of Love After Lockup. I was like, oh, or I was like, oh, you suck. But I wasn't like, I never want to like talk about you or look at you again. It was compelling. It it was compelling. And I actually want to talk about all of them again. And I, I really, I'm sitting here looking at my notes and I really cannot wait till we get to this Clint and Tracy cracked in situation. Oh my God. Okay. Well, let's start with Scott and Lizzie where we always start. All right. Lizzie finds out Scott is broke. She immediately dumps him in the cruelest way possible. She has to break up with him so hardcore that it's painful to look at. And she says she hopes to have a friendship from a distance and Scott unravels. I mean, Scott has, I, I wrote down that Scott 
pops out his teeth like I take off my bra at the end of the day. Like when shit is getting real and you just need to get comfortable. I mean, he has no teeth in for any of this because he is done playing games. I mean, she goes in to check on him, to yell at him, and he's face down, armadillo red, in the pillow. He cannot believe she did that $2,000 credit card thing. Well, you shouldn't have had a credit card that had that much on it to let her do it. But he's talking into the pillow. He's full face red on, sweaty, disgusting. He's broke. He's blown through the savings. And Lizzie is now blaming him. She's saying, you don't have any money? Like, she's blaming him. The reason he doesn't have any money is because of her, but she doesn't quite get that. And then she goes on, look at me with both eyes. If you don't have money, I don't need you. You want me to need you. I'm gone. Like, what the fuck is she talking about? She was making zero sense during most of this interaction because then she said something about, you think I'm motivated by money? I used to be. But if you don't have any money, I don't have any use for you. I'm like, didn't you just say two opposing ideas? She did the same thing before when she's like, I used to be a gold digger, but now I'm not. But if he doesn't have any money, I'm gone. Okay, what? (laughs) What? I mean, what? This is sort of like... The alkaline diet Snowdens. <laughs> it doesn't so they, make fucking sense. So now they go to like the second location, where is the, I guess is now his um, hotel room. And when they're talking, she Lizzie is in a full Scott style sweat. She is dripping from her forehead, and then he begins to drip from his forehead. And I want to say, you guys are in a hotel, and you're not paying for the air conditioner. Like you could turn it down as low as you want. Like, you don't have to be sweating like this. I feel like the producers, like, turned the air off just to be like, let's get this really gross in here. Let's get this fight as nasty as we can. And we want them sweating from head to toe. I mean, so he, he, like you said, he's given up on the fake teeth completely. And then she's yelling at him again, blaming him, saying, you proposed to me after two days. I mean, it's been 10 days. So eight days later. And she's saying she doesn't want to be engaged. I just want a long-distant friendship. We're not intimate. And then he starts crying, and he says he only loved two people in his life ever, and one of them was her. And then she's horrible. She's calmly but still slurring, saying, I'm telling you, I'm not your woman anymore. Get the heck out. Wait, where are you going? What are you doing? Where are you going? This doesn't make sense. You're just going to leave? Where four sentences before, she says, get the heck out. She's awful. She's straight up awful. And he's out in the parking lot crying, asking the producers to take him home. I mean, oh my Seriously, God. did he even take his car with him? Where's the car? Was that his car that he bought her with that she was driving in the end? Yes, I believe so. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Yeah, because I, I saw on social media where somebody said something about it. And she said, she said, it's my car in my name. But they were like, shit. But you didn't buy it. She's like, doesn't matter. Still my car. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Lizzie and her 18 DUI self or whatever, 8 DUI self is driving around Portage like citizens of Portage. Beware. She's out there. (laughs) You guys, she's out there. How is she even driving? She tells Jasmine, like, start packing. But I mean, where are they going and with what money? Jasmine is 19. Exactly. Where are they going? Okay. But before Scott goes out of the room, what is in the toilet? His phone is in the toilet. A cigarette. Is the ring in there? Are Scott's teeth in there? What ended up in the toilet exactly? I think that would have been gold if the teeth would have been in there. That would have been so great. <laughs> I just saw the phone 
which I guess is like a phone that they gave him um, and a cigarette. And I don't quite understand about the ring because she did post on social media a picture of like a ring from Kohl's for $30 that looks like the exact same one or something. So she says when she goes to see Jasmine, she goes, we're leaving. Uh, We're broken up. And the ring is gone. I swear he threw the ring in the toilet, but I don't know. There were a lot of things that ended up in that toilet, including their relationship. (laughs) Yes. So we catch up with them. Let's just fast forward. We catch up with them. Lizzie is now working in a factory in Portage with a full-on hairnet, which is an appropriate fate or like slash circle of hell for her. I was happy to see that outcome. I was like, good. I'm glad she's working at a factory in Portage. No shade to Portage. I'm not far away. But I was like, if we see Lizzie hooked up with some other dude taking all of his money, I'm going to be pissed. So I actually liked that ending. Well, they, they have this woman that's the manager of the factory who looks like my mom comes in as like, Hi, Lizzie. How's it going? Gosh, you're doing such a great job. And I was like, oh, this poor woman, they, she also can't act. And she, they paid her $100 to sit in there and set this scene up. And Lizzie says, like, I'm doing so great. And I got a promotion. I'm able to get my own apartment. And then they show her drive off in Scott's car. But it, she says she's worked at the plastics factory like two weeks. So she's already gotten a promotion. And, uh, and the timeline does not make sense. No, it doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense at all. She says one week, please. We don't. Nothing about any of this makes sense. The only thing that was riveting about Scott and Lizzie's timeline on the show is that it was only 10 motherfucking crack days. I could not believe how short their timeline was compared to like, say, Brittany and Marcelino's like seven months. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah. That was crazy that that drama all unfolded in 10 days. Do you think the producers were like, oh, my God, we only got 10 days worth of shooting out of them. We're going to have to really drag this out. You know, it might have been. It might have been, but they didn't even it didn't even feel dragged because they had something going on constantly. He was constantly buying her shit. She was spending his money. They were acting like imbeciles. They were going out. His credit card was getting rejected. Jasmine was voicing her concerns. I mean, there was a lot going on in those 10 days. There was a supermarket sweep of the 7-Eleven. Yeah, there's a supermarket. I want to go to that. I want to go to these places that they visited, and I want to talk to the employees. Yeah, I think you could show up at the plastics factory and put on a hairnet and get the scoop from the manager. I have no problem with that. You know what? The weather's (laughs) getting nicer. Spring is coming. I can make a drive, and I have a license, so I can drive wherever I want in this state. (laughs) Holy shit. Okay, so Scott is out of our great state, my great state of Wisconsin. He's back in Oxnard, California. He's working on his yard. And who do we see coming out to greet him? His new girlfriend, who he also doesn't have sex with, Jasmine. Right. Um, She doesn't care about money. And he just enjoys her companionship. And Jasmine says, you know, it's till death do us part. And she got a bike out of the deal because Scott picks up women at gas stations by offering them bikes from his garage, which is like not a Ted Bundy thing to do at all. That's what I thought. It was like, I have a bicycles in my garage and you could just come pick out one. Oh, yeah. Go to the back. Oh, there's one behind there. Keep walking. Oh, no. A little bit further. A little bit further. Thunk. It's over. <laughs> Dateline. 
That is a dateline backstory if I ever heard one. But you know what? Scott didn't murder her. He just wants companionship. She's bringing him towels for his sweaty yard work. She's bringing him a soda pop. They're uh, happy as clams. And she says, till death do us part. P.S. She is beautiful. She's an upgrade from Lizzie. Oh, huge upgrade. And she's like, Lizzie, you know, what she did to Scott should be a crime. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, what are you doing? What you doing, Jasmine? Yeah. And then she says, you know, till death do us part. He was like, oh, oh, okay, sure. (laughs) And I wrote in here in all capital letters, why can't poor Scott just find a woman to bone? And then and then I said, oh, yeah, it's the teeth. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, you know, if he didn't throw the other ones in the toilet, he could always pop those bad boys back in. I really hope he uses his earnings from this show to just get some good, solid veneers. I know. Someone should sponsor him. I mean, we know that Mama No Teeth set up a GoFundMe, and we also know that Mary Payne herself donated to it. (laughs) I'm putting you on blast for that also. (laughs) We know that you're a kind-hearted individual. But Scott, he doesn't even need a GoFundMe. I think think someone would sponsor him. You know, like someone in California would be like, yeah, we'll do your teeth because I feel like he is going to show up on another show at some point. He's great TV in a weird way. He's very vulnerable. I found myself feeling bad for him slash being completely angry with him all of the time. Like I was invested in him. I mean, he would be a great before and after shot of the teeth. I mean, because the teeth are so jacked up. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) They're amazing. Okay. We have to talk about, speaking of teeth, Caitlin and Matt, Matt's tooth hole is not fixed anymore. It was never fixed. I, I I think that you just, that was wishful thinking on I your part. I swear to God, someone posted on my page, they saw it too, in one interview. Maybe it was just a flash and like the glare from one tooth covered the hole or something. It looked like the tooth hole was fixed. Okay, it's not fixed. He's still got a okay. tooth hole. And he's still the world's biggest asshole. In or out of prison. Prison is his happy place, so he gets to be there for a little bit. He doesn't have to do all these responsible things. He doesn't have to be busy. He could be in prison. Have to be dis- yeah, and they uh, they watch Matt on the screen, and and Caitlin's talking to the mom about like how this is going to go. Like they're going to have a hearing, they're going to have to have bail, and the whole thing. And then they go to the court, and they just see him on the screen. And they were saying, you know, he has ten plus felony convictions, and he poses a risk to the community. And the judge says, well, I see here that none of the convictions are for violence, but you did have one of them was a gun violation. So the bail is set at $7,500. And he looks at his lawyer like, what? I can't believe that they would keep me in here. I mean, like he was stunned. He's stunned. He's stunned. And he kept saying to Caitlin, I'm going to make Dale. They're they're not going to keep me in here. It's fine. It's fine. So I would like to say that we then, uh, Caitlin hopes that her bailing him out will give him the incentive to move forward. And the mom says, I've never bailed him out, so I don't know. I was like, the mom is a savage. I love her. I love Mother Matt. I mean, I yeah. really, truly do. I hope, I'm hoping she's telling the truth there and not just acting for the cameras. I feel like she is telling the truth when she's like, I've never bailed him out, so I wouldn't know. I'm like, good for you. You know, because she's seen this, she sees this pattern and she knows that he is the only one who can help himself. She provides him a home. She washes his undies when he comes home, but she is not going to go the distance and keep supporting his mistakes. Mm -mm. So then we see Matt and he's driving and it says, Matt, out of jail, six days. This is, um, (laughs) and he's driving. And now this is a very interesting thing that we saw here on the screen. And I don't know if everyone caught it, but I did. We see him entering. Roy, comma, home of Morgan Hicks. So now I'm wondering, 
who the hell is Morgan Hicks and why is this, did the producers need to like stop on this sign? Roy, home of Morgan Hicks. Okay, well, I'll tell you. Roy is a girl who was in the Olympics in 2004 for riflery, and she's currently a full-time rifle coach at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. And this has been Hashtag Journalism by Mary Payne Gilbert. Wait, isn't Roy the name of the town? Roy, comma, home of Morgan Hicks. They showed this huge sign. I saw that sign, but I thought the town's name was Roy and like Morgan Hicks lived there. Right. He entered Roy, which is the home of Morgan Hicks. Okay. So now you know who Morgan Hicks is. Oh, this is Morgan Hicks, who's the rifle coach. I thought you said Roy is this rifle coach. I'm like, Roy's the name of the town. Mary Payne, I'm not an auditory learner. I need to read this. (laughs) I need to read this journalism. So when you start your paper with the news, which this is the only news that I'm interested in, I will absolutely read it and understand. Okay. Well, the way I'm reading it is the way I wrote it. And so I'm just letting everybody know. Morgan Hicks is an American hero who was in the Olympics in 2004 for rivalry. If we were wondering specifically what that sign was about, now we know. Now we know. Okay. All right. So Matt, we know that he's been out of jail for six days and he has never come to see Caitlin, the person who posted his bail with the $750 because she had to pay 10% of the $7,500. And when he finally does, he walks into his mom's house. She's doing laundry. It's just an immature fiasco. Yeah. He says uh, the reason he he says the reason he was in jail, he said, I kind of rented a car from someone and I had no knowledge that the car was stolen. And it says so on my police report. So I think I got that beat. Okay, Tracy. Mm -hmm. All right. That makes a lot lot of sense. So he's been hanging out at Sam's, which unfortunately we don't get to see Sam's smoke filled home. Um, (laughs) But he but he comes in and he and Caitlin are just like walking around the bedroom as if there's some conversation that we have missed because she's like, I guess we have nothing else to say. And he's like, yeah, I guess not. I was like, why are you mad at her? Yeah, I know. I don't get it. And then when she's leaving, she says something before she goes into, you never loved me. I think you just woke up one day and all your feelings went away. She says something about like the other girl you're fucking or the other girl you're sleeping with. Did you catch that? Uh, yeah, I did. Okay. They're walk- they're walking out the door and she's walking out in front of him where she's stomping towards her car when they have that showdown in the driveway. And-, and he says, when's the last time you fucked me? Christmas? And she says, probably around the same time you started fucking someone else. Right. That's what they said. That's what's up, you guys. Yep. Yep. And then she goes off on him and he deserves it. And, you know, I gave you everything and I can walk away knowing I gave you everything and all that. She, everything she says is true. He deserves it. And then he goes inside and lays on the bed and plays with the dog. And he says that, you know, we just both came to the realization it should end. And uh, yeah, she'll always be special to me. And then Caitlin gives her, I am woman, hear me roar speech in the car. Thank you, Caitlin, for your service. Oh my God, Caitlin, we need her to be okay. I need her to be okay. We know that she has a child somewhere and her mom just died. She comes from a really fucked up family. I do want her to be okay. I don't care about Matt at all. I've heard, I heard on a rumor on another podcast and on social media, Matt has a kid and he's given up all of his parental rights. So this man is a father as well. Like recently, or he has a kid from like years ago? Uh, Years ago, allegedly. I don't know if this is true, but this is what's being reported in our news world. And um, it sounds like his mother 
didn't step in, but regrets that. I heard this on, where did I hear that? Oh, Reality Cray Cray podcast. Shout out Kim and Kyle. They were talking about getting a message from someone with this information from Matt's mom's Facebook, I think. I might be getting that wrong. Go listen to the Reality Cray Cray podcast. It's really good. They recap Love After Lockup, 90 Day, everything that we love. And uh, yeah, it sounds like he had a kid. He gave up all of his parental rights and his mom wishes she had adopted him when she could, but she didn't. And I think that child, I don't know if it's a son or daughter, is with his or her mother. And Matt has no interaction with his own child. It's really sad. If this is true, I don't know. I may be spewing lies, you know, that I'm hearing 10th hand at this point, but it's a really sad, messed up situation. Matt is never going to be okay. Matt's happy place is prison. Let's just say it. I mean, he loves it there. He doesn't like having the responsibilities of breathing and dressing himself. Yeah. And then we see, you know, at the end, when we'll get to it, that, you know, he's living with a new girlfriend, like, shocker. Yep. Yep. Okay. So the sweetest, I think, scenes in the entire episode were Brittany and Marcelino's wedding. I agree. I, I cannot believe that they have melted my cold, black, cold little chunk of a heart. I felt the same way. I mean, I wrote down, okay, Giovanni is a sweetie pie. He eats cake like I wish I could eat cake. <laughs> so cute. He is my spirit animal eating that cake. This wedding was amazing. It felt like a real wedding. They have a group of friends and family who seem legitimate around them, not just like weird props, like a lot of the 90 day weddings. It had me questioning everything I've ever held true in my life on the show. And I wrote down, why am I crying? Yeah. So Brittany has four sisters, she says. Yeah. And I think three of them came and her stepdad. There were a lot of people there. Yeah. 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 She said she ran away when she was 12. So she didn't get to know them. Right. But I have to tell you that, once again, Sharp Entertainment, the cinematography was on point when they did that slow-mo thing when Amanda's walking towards the camera with her bridesmaids behind her. And then Marcelino, too, with his crew. It was like Reservoir Prison Dogs. Yes, yes. He says, he says, (laughs) Marcelino, oh, my God. So Marcelino says, uh, I got my, uh, my groomsman looking like Murderer's Row. I got my brother coming in from Florida. And I got my cousin, Jay Cat Killer and Gabriel. I love it. And, okay, there's nothing better in the, in my life than when I heard Brittany in the bridesmaids, like getting ready room, saying Bunky. She was like, Bunky, can you believe it? I'm getting married. I was like, my heart is glowing right now. I know. We forgot to say that beforehand, she goes to Amanda's house that was very odd and empty. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was weird and forced. Yeah. And Amanda's like sitting on the porch, like just like Caitlin was in this episode, like angrily smoking a cigarette and giving her, you know, spouting off. This is terrible, blah, blah, blah. Amanda's like, I guess this is what she wants. I mean, she comes off as a total bitter Betty. But then she shows up at the wedding looking like beautiful with this other uh, hashtag inmate. Yeah. And how is everyone like full on pregnant at this point? Like everyone's like about to give birth all of a sudden. Like how many months has this been? And then Brittany says something about like seven months ago, I was wearing prison blues and now look at me. I'm like, so it's been seven months? I guess so. Like you said, we had Lizzie and Scott 10 days and then they filmed these people over seven months. I mean, that's, yeah. They've been through national holidays and seasons together. Yeah. Not, 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 not four full seasons, but just a couple of seasons. Just a couple of seasons. Well, Las Vegas, they've been through one basically. But right. I'm sure they have air conditioning unlike Colty. Which is good. So yeah, they get married. It's beautiful. Marcelino has this cheesy rhyme vows. I mean, like, I, you know what? Good for him. <laughs> no, no. And he wrote his little rhyme, but I cannot, I can't deal with it. I can't actually look straight at the TV when shit like that's going down. I'm, I'm embarrassed for the person. 
I fully support their right to rhyme, but I can't quite be part of it, even on TV. Okay. Well, like I said, I had to watch the last of it on my computer. So I was like flipping back and forth, taking my notes. And um, I don't want you to deny me my uh, right to give Marcelina's impression of his vows. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. This is, I think this is going to be my best impression ever. He says, you touched me and began to put back together a broken man. First, your words touched my heart. You delicately placed passion into the desolate senses that narrated the story of my life. Then your fingers touch mine and with our frequency confirmed your eyes touch my soul. So this I know from now until the day I go, I'm going to stay with you until we're gray and old. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh Thank you. Thank you. I don't have any idea what the hell any of that means. That's amazing. But I wrote but I wrote it down verbatim. I would love that on a plaque. I would love <laughs> that hanging behind me in my office as I podcast, just just buoying my spirit every day as I record. That is some amazing rhyming. I mean, that none of it makes sense, which is why it's incredible. Your fingers touched mine and our frequency was confirmed. What? Yep, your eyes touched my soul. I always love when the when the eyes touch something. <laughs> It's always such a grotesque image. But, uh, by the way, I taught creative writing for 13 years, and I read many a poem like this and graded it and had to write feedback on them. And Marcelino, uh, we won't grade his with a rubric, but I do have to say I'm a big fan of nonsensical bullshit like this on my TV screen. Yeah, I mean, that, that their wedding was the best one we've seen on any 90 Day Fiance or anything. It was the, It looked the most classy people's outfit matched even marcelino's dad wore his best red t-shirt to go with his dreadlocks yep there was a violinist yes what that that was a little bit goth i liked it right and you know bunky catches the bouquet bunky catches the bouquet there's cake i mean it was amazing there were there was good lighting also never is there good lighting at a 90 day wedding never everybody looked great Everybody looks great. It seemed like they were really in love. I completely have turned around since the beginning. I'm no longer calling Marcelino a serial killer. And I just couldn't believe it. I need to, I would like to know more about Brittany's dad, though, because... Was it her stepdad? Uh, I thought maybe. I, no, I said, I wrote down her biological dad is coming. That's what I wrote down. He was wonderful. Whoever, I thought it was her stepdad. I don't know. You guys tell us. Who, who was he? I thought he, his scenes with her were wonderful. Yeah, but she says both of her parents were alcoholics growing up. As we know, we've heard those stories. She left home when she was 12. There were more more sad times than happy times. So it seems like maybe he's trying to, you know, pull it together and, and be a father that he never was. But, you know, the, all I could think about was he has bad teeth and um, where are the dentists that we need on these shows? <laughs> I just love it. I just loved him. How he was like so supportive. I don't know, man. What is happening to me? Maybe I was having a full premenopausal moment during this entire, all of these scenes, but I was loving all of it. I was like, this is amazing. I have never seen something this heartwarming since the days of, who was it? Amy and Dan or Amy and David on early 90 day. Oh, she was from South Africa. I loved, I loved them. her. Yes. I loved her. Yes. It felt like that where the families came together. Yeah. They had speed bumps. They, had, they were like, you know, a little bit racist. 
I was about to say we had the the the, the racism was not great. It was a pro- yeah. it was a problem, but the families really came together, and I remember that wedding being really beautiful and heartwarming too. And I'm like, man, it has been years since we've seen on one of these shows like a legitimate happy ending for someone. Like I was like, oh, good for you guys. Okay, now I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm gonna make what might be a controversial statement. I also found Tracy and Clint coming back together, looking like Tim Burton characters. Very heartwarming. I feel like these two are perfect for each other. And I am extremely happy that they're together on a sheetless bed. I really can't talk about that picture is going to haunt me forever. When she lifted up her shirt and turned around and he's laying on the bed on his back and he's opened up his shirt and then he's got that bedside table slash box. And I mean... He knew she was coming home and he couldn't even like make up the bed. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. Now, listen, that's the least of their worries. OK, you're right. That is the least of their worries. I mean, sheets on a bed is so far down on their list. <laughs> that is not even close to all the things that they need to fix in their lives. But I mean, this is the most fucked up situation that I am rooting for ever. Yeah, she, she's on that bus and she's like changing clothes and airing out her armpits. And the people on the bus are ch- turning around trying to see like, why is this person being filmed? And she looks, she's, listen, I'm all for weight loss. Go for it, girl. But she looks real scary. Like she looks very unhealthy. Oh, yeah, I was like. It was very frightening. So I have a list of questions that I wrote down. I don't know if we can answer them all, but can I just go ahead and yeah, throw sure. them out there? Okay. Where's the rental car? It's in the, it's, it's, it's at the store. Okay. How can we figure out what Tracy's prison diet actually was and get on it slash avoid that particular end result? Why is the bus stop on the side of an interstate? Can we make a field trip to family Clint's meat market to eat roast beef together? Is Clint allowed to use the meat slicer there? If so, who is his helper? <laughs> Why are there no sheets on Clint's bed? Why am I thrilled that these two ended up together? Those are my big, those are my questions overall about what happened. Okay. Tell me your thoughts. Oh God. Okay. Well, when she gets off the bus and she's standing by with her, with her knapsack um, by the Hobbs, New Mexico sign, I, I'm going to say once again, we TV, beautiful cinematography. Um, she has 0% body fat. So she's freezing, even though it's probably about 50 degrees. And he picks her up, and I really, I I mean, this is a step far beyond for me to say something this gross, but I think he had an orgasm in his pants. Yeah, there was some bad stuff going on. He was like, ah. I mean, he was, it was real, real, real disturbing. And so she did get a new um, prison hair dye job, which was kind of orange, which was, which was an improvement. Um, He gets on his knee, he gives her the ring again, and then he goes at her face like it's a piece of cake. Like he goes at her face like, like he's on that drug that makes people eat other people's faces. They make out, they make out in the car. They're yellow. They're crusty. I mean, yeah. Their kissing scenes are like the Harry Potter Dementor kiss of death or the Dementor's kiss. You know, it's like, ha, when the whole like jaw unhinges. And they take out, they suck out your soul. Yeah. yeah, that's what's going on with these two. It's like full unhinged jaw kissing. And he lifts her up and puts her on top of the hood of the car on the interstate. I'm like, this is a bang up prison love story ending if I've ever seen one. Picking her ass up from the interstate, putting her on the hood of the car, and then taking her home to that total crack den. I was weirdly loving it. 
I'm 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 concerned about you because I, I, when that that whole situation where they're in the bedroom, and you could see the giant pill bottle, what appears to be cut up straws and things on the side of the bed, and she turns around and she's lifting her shirt up, and you can see him laying on his back with his shirt open. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was terrified. We got to do a vote. We got to do a vote on social media. I mean, what do you guys think? I think Tracy and Clint belong together and they're going to go the distance minus any future brushes with motherfucking crack. I think they're made for each other. Uh, yeah. I mean, with we, her in the car, she's like, was your parents mad? I mean, he was like, oh, they'll come around. <laughs> they'll come around. I'm all they got. I'm it. They have to deal with Clint forever. The best update at the end was when it said Clint's ex-wife Haley fired his ass or whatever. I was like, that's amazing. Yes. He's yes. working in the meat market. Plus. Oh, my God. Okay, well, we have to end with, you know who, what we've been teased with the entire season, Megal, 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 Sar, Megan, Michael, and Sarah. Okay, are you at the end of all of this, Team Megan or Team Sarah, or should we even do that? Well, I- I'm Team Aviana. I am too. And rain and little rain. Um, Lots of extra letters in both of those children's names. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm team Sarah because initially when they sat down to have this smackdown at the Homewood Suites that Megan was being so dismissive and rude. Um, Sarah was sort of ranting around, but she, she was right. I mean, you know, and so she says, like, who do you think I am? I, I keep, just keep thinking of, like, Heidi because she's got those braids. And she's like, you know, who do you think I am? And she says, you know, she's pregnant. They're married. And she says, yeah, that Chrysler 300, that's my car. Um, and Sarah's right. Megan is the side bitch who got played. She is the mistress. I mean, everything she's saying is right. But Megan says, bitch, I didn't know about you. I didn't have – bitch, you don't have shit to do to you being white. It's your class, ho. I know. I was shocked when Megan came back at her like that. I agree with you. I'm, I'm, uh, we're all anti-Michael, first of all. I mean, I want these women to totally get away from him. And we know they're still talking to him to this day. Sucks for them. They're making bad decisions. Now, Sarah has to. She's a parent with him. Megan does not. Apparently, she's still making bad decisions. But backing up to this scene, I felt, I mean, a lot of people were conflicted over this. It was like everyone was all over the place because Sarah did come at her kind of crazy at the beginning. But I was like, you know what? She's pregnant. Her husband has been cheating on on her with this other chick who she's about to meet for the first time. She's carrying his baby. He's back in prison. And she's like legally bound to him. I mean, it was just such a clusterfuck. I mean, when I was pregnant, I was like yelling at people at Target and then and then crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get it. Like, I, and she's in a situation that is just beyond comprehension. But she's taking her anger out on the wrong person by coming at Megan like that right away. I felt like that was wrong. Like she should yeah. she should have come at that differently because Megan, ha- if we're to believe this, she truly had no idea what was happening either. Yeah, I mean, I think Sarah kept, she kept saying, like, I'm trying to talk to you like woman to woman, like I really am. And you're coming at me. I was like, well, you need to sit down because you keep hopping up and jumping around. Right. And eventually, Megan kind of slows her roll and the producers talk to them and they go back and they sit down and they do talk, which was the second time around went a lot better. Yeah. Megan, Megan tells Sarah that you know she gave her virginity to Michael and she feels violated and defiled and disgusting and she should. And so I think when she told Sarah all that, at least Sarah sort of 
warm to her for a bit, like, okay, now we're going to actually just like have a conversation, you know? Yeah. And Sarah, but Sarah is the only one who points out what the root issue is here. She says, he did this. We didn't do this. He did this. And it's like, Megan can't ever get there in her mind. She still feels like it's all about her being violated. Like there are two women. Did it. It's like, no, this is all about him. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. It's not about you versus her or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, she gives him this epic speech. He calls her. I mean, it's so funny. Like the timing of the calls are just always seeming to be just right when they're filming. And she's, you know, talking to him and she said, you know, Michael, you had it all. You had a wife and a house and kids by the fingertips. You had the world by the ass and you threw it away. (laughs) I would like to have the world by the ass. I mean, that's real graphic. And then she says, I mean, then she says, you know, I'm done with you. I'm going to raise the kids alone. And then she said, you become a statistic and I was your best chance. And you put, proved everybody right about you, but me, and you proved me wrong, which I thought was great. And then he's like, she's like, so I won't have nothing more to do with you. I'll raise the children by myself. And his response, uh, you going to tell my PO I can't live there. His yeah. response was also, well, I'm not going to be in here forever. As if him being there is the reason why she wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, he's he's I was like, you acting like I'm never going to get out of here. And then she says, you can move in with that chick in Rochester. And he goes, okay, can I talk to Aviana? Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean is he oh. dead inside? He looks dead behind the eyes. He has no affect when he speaks. I mean, is he a sociopath? Is he uh, stupid? Is he... I don't even know what to to ask that he I I don't understand what's happening. He shows absolutely no remorse when they talk to him in prison later. He's like, I don't understand what a husband is. I really was enjoying being with my daughter and my wife. So then I didn't think I wanted to be with my girlfriend anymore. I mean, he he has like no idea what a conscience is or loyalty or a relationship. Who is this person? I mean, well, I mean, Sarah said I was married to a stranger, but, um, you know, Megan says when she's after she's talking to her dad, who was another hero, um, she says, Michael infiltrated himself into my life and he did it so sinister. And I mean, these people and their words. So she um, (laughs) when he calls her, she says, are you married for real? And he says, I ain't trying to have this conversation right now. Not the right time to talk about it. And she's like, "Um, what? Like, I've got a camera here. It is the exact right time. She's, I sh- I've got my business casual on. Again, we need to talk about this. She is always ready for a secretarial job. She is always ready for admin. <laughs> Absolutely. His only response to everyone is, I'm not trying to have this conversation. I'm not trying to answer that question. Hmm. I mean, but we on the video call from prison that we get with Michael, I think that we finally get what his Pacific plan was. So his Pacific plan was this. He never knew anybody who was a good husband, so he doesn't know what a husband is. He never knew anybody that was a good wife. He doesn't know what a wife is. He was planning to be with Megan all along. But once he got out and he saw how his child liked having two parents, he changed his mind. But then it was too late because he already took Megan's virginity. And he's sorry for what happened with Megan. And he still loves her. And he's sorry for what he did to Sarah and their children. And he hopes one day they could be like they were when they first met. And he still loves her, too. So next season on Seeking Sister Wife, we have Michael and Megan and Sarah. Seriously, because all three of these people are still in some kind of thruple relationship. And I feel like we are going to see them somewhere in these 10 extra episodes that air this summer. I predict it. 
Yeah, because on social media, Sarah has been doing a lot of posting like, mm-hmm. you know, like he is the father of my children and all this stuff. And um, I mean, Sarah has been posting that. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sarah's been posting like and then he's been posting pictures of him and the kids. And then, you know, because I am a journalist, I have now started following Michael's sister, who is quite a dancer. No kidding. Yeah. She's also really, really cute. She's really fun on social media. But don't you feel like Father Megan should be included if they are included in these 10 extra episodes this summer? Father Megan needs to be in 90% of them. He is the MVP. Yeah, Donnie's bringing it. He said, uh, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I did my due diligence as a father towards you. And then he hugs her and he's really sweet. But, you know, he's like, you know what you happen with a snake? You chop the head off. I loved him. I love him. He was everything I needed a father figure to be in that moment. I mean, God, watching this unfold, how can these women even be talking to him for any reason? Because, okay, it went down in their real lives, as we saw on the camera, but now watching it back and watching what Michael's saying to the cameras and watching that whole thing in Niagara Falls and then watching him come home to Sarah. I mean, both of these women have now watched the show. How can they possibly be talking to him now? That's insane. Yeah, I don't know how they how they are in their mind making it okay. Like I really, I don't how they're justifying it. I don't know. It's so fucked up. And he, but he's out of, he's out of prison again. Yeah. He's out of prison. He's uh the real Millie at something, something. And his sister was running his Instagram and saying like, if you get 50 more real Millie followers, you know, I'll, I'll follow you back or, uh, for the 50th follower. I'm going to follow you back. I'm like, that's not a prize. Um, for the so for number fifty who follows me, I'm going to follow you back. That's the prize. That's the prize. No. <laughs> I'd rather have a prison pie. Yeah, I'm- either kind. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> well, Mary Payne, I love recapping Love After Lockup with you. We're definitely going to pick it up again when it comes back. And of course, Ninety Day Happily Ever After is coming back April twenty eighth. We're going to see some familiar faces on that. I think we're going to see Colton, Larissa. I think we're going to see John cannot. and Rachel. What- what are we going to see with Colt and Larissa? Larissa's got a new boyfriend and Colt is hanging out with hookers. I mean, no, they did all the filming before that bullshit happened. So we're going to see the dissolution of their marriage that we mostly followed on Instagram. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know. I bring me back, you know, my boyfriend, Jonathan and Fernanda. I like to look at them. They're pretty. Oh my God. Bring me back some Angela and some Michael. All yes. I need in my life is Angela and Michael. I mean, Michael, you will not wear my damn ass president's hat. Not today. Michael, you're coming to America. (laughs) (laughs) Donald Trump, I coming to see you. And then, oh, family Chantel is back with tasers. (laughs) Now, wait, who gets gets tased? Pedro's going to get tased. You know what? Actually, I bet River's going to get tased because Pedro can throw down, as we saw. Wait. Was there a preview where there was tasers and I missed it? Oh, yeah. There's a preview with tasers. Mother Chantel is saying, next time, if something goes sideways at dinner, we're going to have this with us. And she pulls out a motherfucking taser. Okay, here's what I imagine. In my mind, I imagine uh, Mother Chantel pulling out the taser and like flinging it towards somebody like Wonder Woman style. And the right when she does that, her tiny hat flies off her head. I want to see another weave being brandished at some point. That's all I ask for. Whose hair is this? Whose hair? I got somebody's hair. Doesn't matter. It's TV gold. It doesn't matter whose hair it is. The harvesting of the American dollar is coming back. I mean, no one be trusting the Pedro. 
it's going to be amazing slash infuriating all over again. And we're going to be covering it. But you guys, until then, we are going to be covering Seeking Sister Wife. Remember, last week of March, we'll be off, but we'll be coming back after that. And Mary Payne, tell us all about who's coming on your podcast, Pain in the Pod, before we go. Okay, this week, um, so on the 13th, um, I will have Broken Heart. So I was in New York and I got to interview the two girls from Glamour Magazine that did that podcast, Broken Hearts, about the um, six black children that were um, adopted by the white lesbian couple. And then they were horribly abused. I mean, it turns out you find out, obviously, horribly abused and like driven off that cliff. So that was so incredible to meet them in person. They were actual hashtag journalists. And, um, you know, they were just, I mean, they were just unbelievable. And then on the 20th, I have coming out an interview with Erica Kelly of Southern Fried True Crime. So those are the next couple of weeks of what I've got coming up. That's amazing. You were in New York to interview the Broken Hearts podcasters, right? And that's where you, that's when you had the Harry Dubin run in. Yes, I was supposed to be on Amy Phillips' show, but for people that listened to know that she had laryngitis last week. Yes. So it's terrible. So I'm going to have to go back to do that, which is fine. But yes, that's where I had the Harry Dubin run in. We were there, me and my friend Ingrid were there for 36 hours, hours, and we made the best of it. We also saw uh, Woody Allen at the polo bar. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Oh, my God. Tell us where we can find you on social media. Everything is pain in the pod, P-A-Y-N-E, pain in the pod. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you know, all, you know, not Pinterest, but, you know, everything else. Okay. And uh, as always, you guys, I have Mary Payne's pain in the pod uh, podcast, her social media, everything, and all of mine linked up in the show notes. And if you want to get extra episodes of Pink Shade, and if you want to help support this podcast, you can become a Patreon member. It goes a long way toward keeping this dream alive. Thank you guys so much for participating in it. It's patreon.com slash pink shade. You can become a member over there and you get, I would say I'm averaging about three episodes a month extra. I'm doing all kinds of different stuff over there. Also, yeah, join the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook group. Follow me at Aaron Leah Martin on Twitter and Instagram. And I will be on the Jenny McCarthy show this Friday, Sirius XM Stars Channel 109 for BFF Friday. We're covering the Love After Lockup finale again. You know, Jenny's into it. She was just texting me this weekend. Where can I find it? She couldn't find it online. And then we are going to cover Housewives, too, because, you know, we have more Lucy Lucy apple juice to talk about. And New York is back, which is the dream team. All right, Bunky, my goddess, until (laughs) next week. Okay, thank you, Erin. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.